Hello and welcome back to the FAAA podcast. I'm Fraser Jack and I'm joined by Shale from AFCA. Welcome. G'day Fraser, good to see you. Thank you for having us. We are uh, at the Congress conference, the Congress I should call it, the uh, in Adelaide and uh, you did a presentation yesterday? We did, we did. So we uh, wanted to give people a bit of a look inside the bonnet of how uh, a panel operates at AFCA. Uh, we had a consumer representative, we had a, a financial advising representative, Jenny Diggle, who people always love to hear from, and we had a licensee representative, Rebecca Weaver from AMP. So, very interesting discussion. Fantastic discussion. Now, before we get into that, uh, the nuts and bolts of what happened in that discussion, uh, I just wanted to give our listeners a quick uh, introduction to yourself. Obviously, you're in a position now where you're uh, you know, running the advice space in Africa, but before that, you're an advisor. I was indeed. So I worked for a law- as a lawyer for about 10 years and I thought, you know what, I just need a bit of a career change. And financial advice came up as something that I was really interested in. So I sort of did the fast tracking through, you know, admin and making the coffees and through power planning and into the advice role. Um, so yeah, it, was, it gave me some really great insights and, and stuff that I still remember today. What it's like to sit on the other side of the table with a with a consumer or a customer who is really relying on you. Yep, fantastic. And so, uh, and tell me about your transition then into your role now. So after that, I, look, I I thought as a financial advisor, I made a very good lawyer. So I ended up uh, moving into case management. There was a case management role at the old predecessor of AFCA, which was FOS. I took that and I loved the job. I found it really interesting because you're helping consumers, similar in a way to financial advice in that sense, but yeah, I was using my legal skills as well. So um, worked worked through the ranks there and became an ombudsman when AFCA started in 2018. Uh, and then I was appointed lead uh, this year in June. So it's been a bit of a um, sort of a long journey in some ways. It's 13 years of EDR and it's about two and a half as an advisor before that and 10 years as a lawyer before that. But in other ways, it's sort of gone quickly and yeah. uh, here we are. Yeah, fantastic. Well, congratulations on that appointment, by the way. Thank you very much. Uh, and as we uh, – as I guess in that role as, as the ombudsman and then also leading, the, leading this section, you would probably see a lot of things. You, that uh, that we don't get to see or get to be part of, and and I think that's been uh, um, the the feedback from the presentation that I've heard has been great. That you can talk through individual cases, obviously not the all the details and the names, but you can talk through the the things that went right and wrong inside of those cases. And uh, and from what I've heard, that some great learnings have come out of that. As in, oh, I didn't realize that, that was a thing, or or I didn't realize that was a um, that might work that way. And uh, but I think also. From what I've also heard is that um, it doesn't always go the way of the consumer, which was the feeling that uh, in in Foz, I guess, from back back in the day. Yeah, look, that's a really important point you make. I mean, I I think we've been viewed, or certainly our predecessor schemes have been viewed as overly consumer centric. Um, I've worked in the advice space. There are two sides to the story, and we have to evolve with advisors, right? And the advisor of today is very different from the advisor of 13 years ago. And so I think um, it, we need to change as well. So, so I'm not criticising the previous FOS. There might have been reasons why they, they took the approach they did. But AFCA is new. AFCA is a different way of looking at things. Um, and under my leadership, I would like a balanced approach. I think that's what's required at the moment. And to be perfectly honest, Fraser, most of the people at this conference will never, ever come to us. Um, it's generally a handful that we're really dealing with. 
don't get me wrong, occasionally a good advisor will have a dispute and we have to deal with it. But the majority of matters we deal with are more systemic type of conduct issues. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And so your presentation uh, yesterday, do you want to give us a bit of a highlights reel of some of the case studies we went through? Sure. So look, the first one, as you said, was in favour of the financial firm and really it was a good example of where a risk profile is decided and then a client decides that they don't want to follow it which is always a really challenging situation for advisors. Um, you know, there's two approaches really. One is, see you later, not acting my advice, I'm out of here. Yep. The second, and this is what the advisor did in this particular instance, was to actually um, document the change and where it was coming from and explain to the client the risks of taking that particular approach. Um, so in this instance, the file notes told the entire story um, and that's what we relied on to ultimately say that the advisor had done nothing wrong. So that was the first case study. And so and so, just on this, because um, a lot of emphasis is put on the SOA being the piece of evidence that's required, that was my advice, this is what's, what, what was said, um, the, the, this is the recommendations, et cetera, but that's seldomly what you look at. You look at everything, everything. We absolutely have to look at the whole picture and I think, you know, people do fall into this trap of saying, well, the SOA said that, so therefore – that's definitive. Whilst it may be, don't get me wrong, it may be, uh, you do need to look behind that. You need to see the history of how we got to the SOA. So the whole file is a real, really important to, for us to understand the story. Yep, yep, fantastic. The second case study, it was around this personal advice um, type of issue and uh, the advisor provided advice in 2004, which is obviously outside jurisdiction, but then the client came back in 2016 and 21 around as a risk advice, worried about premiums. Um, and unfortunately for that advisor, he triggered the personal advice test, which basically uh, requires you to provide a recommendation, which either takes into account someone's circumstances about a financial product or a reasonable person would think it would. In this case, I think he was trying to be helpful, but he triggered that um, personal advice test. We're then in best interest territory an appropriate advice territory and because of that he breached those obligations. So, Can you, can you tell me a little, little bit more about that trigger? How, how did that happen? Was that just a conversation or a review meeting? Yeah, it was. look, the, the um, complainant came to the advisor and said, look, I'm struggling with premiums. Um, I don't know what to do. He didn't really give advice but he talked to her about the fact that she had a medical condition which would mean that she would struggle to get other insurance. So essentially, that was, I mean, that's a recommendation to remain in the product you're in, taking into account her circumstances, were, which, which among others were that she was struggling to, to pay the premiums. So that's, that's how it And that's an interesting topic because I think that probably would be words that would come out of a lot of advisors' mouths. If, if somebody has a medical, pre-existing medical condition and they're unlikely to be able to obtain additional cover or change covers, Obviously, it can, could have been reduced, but then it could not have been put back up again. But that does, you're right, that triggers the personal advice. That's what it was. And I, I, and I think, you know, the unfortunate part is I think he was trying to help. But the lesson is really just be extremely careful about your, uh, any contact you have with a client. Uh, and if it's verging on what you think might be advice, um, document it. Yep. So at that point, um, the, the lesson could have been that you provided a full piece of advice and said, you know, if, if you need to reduce, you can, but the recommendation is you'll never get it back. Yeah, well, I think if it was me, I would have sort of started the conversation. If, if she came to me with that, I would say, well, look, 
would you like me to provide advice on it? And if so, it's going to cost this amount, right? right. I'd yep. start with that. Yep. If she goes yes, then great. If she goes no, I'm going, look, I'm really sorry. I'm not able to help you on this instance would be how I would do it. So, but just be really clear on on what what it is that the interaction is, if you know what I mean. Yep. Okay, very good. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Thank yeah. you. And so, that went in favour of the the – Client. That went in favour of the client. So she got about 195,000 back, 199,000 of premiums for five years um, because essentially the, um, uh, the decision maker in that case found that had proper advice been given, that advice would have been to get out of the policies. Now, okay. It's an interesting finding because there are other views on that. You might say, well, another possible option would be to reduce the coverage. Um, but it was within the range of reasonable decisions that a decision maker can come to, and I think that's ultimately where it landed. Yeah, so it falls back on the fact that uh, the advisor needs to be definitive about what the advice is and make the make it the call about decision and provide the the documentation. That's the bottom line. Yep. That's the bottom line. Yep. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Yep. And what was the uh, next one? The final one was an example of IDR, and I think you know it's it's a we you know our boss sort of jokingly says we're the only business that's trying to put ourselves out of business, and this is true because. We had 100,000 complaints, Fraser, in the last year, financial year, which is too many. And that's really saying things are breaking down in the system. Granted, the majority of them are not in the advice space. In fact, the numbers are sort of like 500, right? Um, But ultimately, we're trying to uh, prevent disputes, which is why we come along to these conferences. We're also trying to encourage IDR. So you... Um, mend the relationship with the client directly. That's the best way for a dispute to be resolved. This third case study was one that AMP did in IDR. They were prepared to share it. And essentially, it was a loss of insurance that shouldn't have been lost. Um, and they were explaining how they worked out how to calculate loss. Essentially, they're paying the person as if the policy was in place. They're checking that they, they meet a condition of um, payment, uh, a claimable event, and then they're paying in six monthly instalments. So it was about uh, really an IDR case study. And then I talked about my perspective if it comes to AFCA. And essentially, if it comes to AFCA, those, those are really tricky to work out loss because if there's no claimable event for lost insurance, we essentially have to get an actuary in to work out loss and the financial firm will generally have to pay for that. So, I mean, that happens before decision. So, we try to work out all sorts of ways to do it without going to that um, length, but that's ultimately what happens. So, I just think, firstly, it was a great illustration of a financial firm resolving their own mess, for want of a better word, but resolving their their own dispute in a way that the consumer actually ended up being more satisfied with them afterwards than beforehand. And just illustrating, I suppose, the difficulties with those sort of matters when they do come to AFCA and we need to make decisions. So that's not the ideal way to resolve it. The ideal way to resolve it is is IDR or conciliation. Yeah, I just I actually just thought of that when you said that the the branding scenario and that and the and the and the we've moved we've made the client happy versus we've argued with the client and and we've ended up having to pay them anyway. Look, we've found conciliation is the best way to resolve a dispute. Ultimately, that leads to the most satisfaction of both parties. If it goes to decision, generally one person will not be happy. Um, so, yeah, that's 100% accurate. And your, and your reputation can be enhanced really by that sort of thing. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you for coming along and sharing those stories and, and coming to the Congress and, and you know helping uh, the people that are here in any, any way get 
through those uh, through those uh, technical issues. As you said, you must see you know if you're getting hundred thousand complaints uh, and and five thousand um, you know advice complaints a year. That's a lot to get through. And and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come and speak uh, to five hundred advice complaints. Five hundred. Yeah. So it's not many. Yeah, and we get um, it is important to make that point yeah. because we do get a lot more in the investments and advice area. Yeah. It's only about five hundred a year at the moment in advice. So it's a great story for advisors. Yeah, fantastic. And, and thanks for recognising that, I guess, from uh, from the point of view because uh, sometimes, you know, it can be the easy person to blame, I guess. Absolutely. Thank you so much, as I said, for coming along. Appreciate it. And uh, and, and for also putting yourself out there to the communities to, to, to you know, help not just here at the Congress, but I've seen you speak at a number of different events and, and, and make, making that um, making yourself available. So thank you. I uh, really appreciate your time. Pleasure, Fraser. See you next time.